let's turn to Luke 10. See, I felt like the Lord wanted me to uh, start entering in and gearing us up for Resurrection Sunday. So he wanted, I think he wants me to make sure you guys understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think some of us don't truly get it. And the perfect example is this passage here, that we, the way we read it. And even in the Bible, how many of you guys have a Bible that says Luke 10, the Good Samaritan? How many of you guys have it in your passage? Does it say Good Samaritan? Luke 10? There should be a, like a highlight. My NS, NASB, which is actually my preferred version, it actually says a Good Samaritan. We're going to talk about whether he's really good. Amen? Amen. I want to read this passage. How many of you have heard this passage before? Yeah. I preached on this passage. So I'm going to, um, hopefully I'm going to twist it up a little bit. Make you think a little. Is that good? Mm -hmm. Make you like ponder. Hmm, I never read it that way. I believe my way is the correct way. <laughs> Also, many, many scholars got my back. I've listened to many, many youth pastors and college pastors preach this message to make us be good. It's actually, uh, it's, it actually does a disservice to this passage and is contrary to the heart of what Jesus is trying to do. Jesus replied, there, let's go to uh, Luke 10. He said in verse 25, it says, And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now think about that question. What is the premise of this whole story of the Good Samaritan? It's about how to get eternal life. And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How, is it, how does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. How many of you guys know this passage inside out? Probably preached on it hundreds of times to make you good youth kids at youth church. Amen? Amen. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and live, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, So then who is my neighbor? Because according to Jewish Torah, you're not as you're not obligated to help one that's not Jewish. That's the Lord saying that's a good word. <laughs> and then in verse 30, Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem because he probably looked at the Lord and thought, This guy needs uh, like a better explanation. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Everybody say, went down, went down. to Jericho, and he fell among. He just happened to fall, and he was stripped. Everybody say, he was stripped and beat. And by chance, a priest was going down on the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, a Levite, um, is assigned to the priest. Like he works in the he he works in the temple as a, like an assistant to the priest, dedicated 
to the service of the temple. When he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side as well. But a Samaritan who was on the journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And came to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. And he put him on one of his beasts, which is probably a donkey, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. So this was not just a normal Samaritan. He's probably a well-to-do Samaritan who had a donkey. He could ride himself. But he put the, donkey, put the man on his donkey. And the next day he took put him into an inn and to, to take care of him. And then the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Everybody say, when I return. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy. Notice he doesn't even say Samaritan. He says, that one, begrudgingly. He says, I guess that one. The Lord is like, he got, he got outwitted. And he can't even say Samaritan. He's like, according to your story, I guess it's that guy. Guess that one. And Jesus said, well, then do that. Be like that Samaritan. The premise of this passage is how to get eternal life. And this guy, this lawyer is like, I, I'm actually doing it. And I want you to validate the fact that I'm actually doing it. He says, then who is my neighbor? He wants to make sure that he's doing it right. I, I don't do it to everyone, but I'm doing it according to my Jewish law. I'm, I'm a good person. So Jesus tells his story. He says, there was... There, there was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem being the city of priests. Jerusalem, Salem, peace. Jerusalem, city of peace. From the city of peace to Jericho. And Jericho is approximately 2,500 feet down into sea level from Jerusalem. So there is this imagery. Jesus, Jesus is saying this guy was going down away from the place of peace. There's this an allegory. Jesus saying there's a man who was from the at the city of peace, and then he was going down to Jericho. Now Jericho is notorious. It is most scholars say it's 17 miles. This road, 17 miles of violence. Everybody knows you do not go down Jericho by yourself. You need a guard or you need somebody. It's a symbol. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of Darkness. It's a symbol of you go through the dark valleys and things are going to happen to you. And it says in this passage, a man just fell. It just, in the Greek, it just, he just happened to fell. And there was not even a name for this man. It's a certain man. It's just a man. There's no name. And what Jesus is saying is that anybody can fall into this place. Now you can stand back and say, you shouldn't have, gone. You shouldn't have done that. Everybody knows you should not go there. And Jesus is saying, anybody can fall from the city of peace. You could be at the city of Jerusalem in the presence of God. At any moment, next moment, you could be going downhill. That's the world. Jesus is saying, in this world, you will have trouble. He's saying, he's saying any person, any person, it could be you, it could be you, it could be me, it could be this person. At any moment, could, you could just happen to fall into this 
scenario because that's the world we're living in. Because this lawyer is saying, I'm a good person, so it shouldn't happen to me. He had a contract, contractual transactional relationship with God according to the law. He's fulfilling the law, but according to standard that we know nobody can fulfill except Jesus and through his fulfillment we apply grace but this guy saying no I, I've actually done that I've loved God and I love my neighbor and she's saying okay oh yeah let's see about that certain man and he's saying that certain man could be you lawyer it could be anybody who falls into sin it could be anybody who falls into a trap you could be Worshiping Jesus one, on one Sunday and on Monday, you could be going in this direction. The Lord is saying it could happen to anyone. This is the world we're living in. Anyone. And he could be stripped of his identity. He's stripped. He has no identity. You, can't even, you don't even know what he is. Is he a Jew? Is he a Greek? We don't really know. Jesus is saying there's a certain man. He's stripped. His body is naked. Is no one. So not only is he has no name, he has no identity. How many guys know when you're away from the city of peace, the enemy will strip you of your personhood and your identity? How many guys know that in our world, we're all no names, and we're trying to get a name. We're trying to get in the world. Amen. We're trying to be approved and accepted. We're trying to get a name, get an identity. That's why we, man, I got a business card from Trinity. Can I just be honest with you? Only reason I got that business card is because it's free. It's expensive. It's like gold, like logo and everything. So I got it for free. And then uh, there's designations. I don't have business cards <laughs> made recently, so designation, I forgot what it was. Oh, I guess it's my titles. And I was like, oh, I, I have this title. So I put that title, and then, I'm, and then I, they gave me like a proof, like, you know, one of those like, oh, here's like a sample. If you approve, then we'll print out more. They gave me a proof, and I, and I thought to myself, oh, that's not the only designation. I have another one, so I corrected it. And then I said, oh, that's not the only one. I have, no, I got, I have, I have four. And then after she gave me the three, I thought, oh, I'm missing one. Oh, I should have put reverend. Oh, shoot. I just want to be, a, I just want to admit to you, can I be honest? It felt good. I'm, I'm very excited to get that card. So I can give people, look at all my designations. Liz, Jacob, look at all my designations. Do you see, do you see it very carefully? You may make a good speech, but I got designations up the wall. <laughs> it's my identity. It's who do you, that's what we ask people all the time. Like, what do you do? Because we're filling our identity void with external validations. We're inside when we feel like we're nobody. The only person that can fill your identity is the Lord that says, forget about all those external things. I see you. I know who you are. I, know, I knew you when you were a baby, and you were nobody, according to the world. But in my eyes, you were somebody. You were my son. 
He had no name. He was stripped. So we get to the good part. He's beaten down. How many guys know the world beats us down? How many guys know my wife and I are the enemies just beating us down? And there's times I just feel like I'm getting beat up. How many guys have ever been in a fight? No, that's a no. This should never. <laughs> I have no. I have. I have. I shouldn't say I have beat, and then I have been beaten. It never feels good to be beaten. I feel like the world sometimes beats us down. We've been in a season where we feel like the enemy is just pounding on us. How many of you guys feel that sometimes? There's seasons when it rains. How come it just keeps raining? Where's the sunshine? It's just, that's why I had such an amazing time with this person that I just met in our group. And he came. He, said, he just came to encourage me. And just prophetically, he said, I felt like God wanted me to come to you, have lunch with you. In my busy schedule, he was so busy. Just empower me with, with the mind of Christ. I was just like, wow. You guys know that we need that to tell us who we are again. But these priests and Levites, this man is stripped, he is naked, he's nobody, no name, no identity, he's just a certain man, and the priest walks on the other side. You would think the priest would do something, amen? But he doesn't do anything. Now, we've heard this before, he should have done something, but he's saying, I've done my duty. I've done my duty in my temple, because... Check this out. If he, if he is in the temple, he's doing his duty. He's also being cleansed and purified. So he's pure. He's walking towards this man who's half dead. To touch a man, to help a man who's half dead, means that you're defiled yourself. So he has to go back to the temple and do the whole process again. So it's not just a matter of helping. He, if he helps, it's going to cost him. It's going to cost him his time and effort. And then he's like, I just got clean. i got to go back and... Do that whole ritual again. And so that's why he walks on the other side. So make sure he doesn't get touched because he's like, I've done my duty. How many guys relate? Sometimes there's people, I've done, my, I've done enough. I don't have to do extra. It's just too much trouble for me. I put in my time. I, I help at church. I do things. I help my family, my friends. I put in my time. Why do I have to help that person? How many guys relate? Do I have to? It's like, I don't want to trouble myself. I put in the time. This guy's half dead. Man, I put in my shift. I, I set up the chairs at church. Why do I have to do more? I, I went to lunch with that person that felt lonely, and I've done my duty. I feel good about myself. I've done it. I don't have to do more. Why do I have to keep doing something? My friend wants me to help him move, and he's going through some hard times, but I helped him move last year. Why do I have to do it again? Because I have an assignment to do. I have a job report I need to do. I got I, just too much trouble. And even, really, am I even supposed to do this? Is God calling me? I don't hear him. I don't hear him calling me to go to these tastings. I don't, I don't feel that calling. Do you understand? And these, this priest and his Levite is saying the same thing. He's saying, well, even we're, it's legal for us not to help him because we're not even supposed to, according to Torah. He's not even, we don't even know who he is. We don't even know what he is. Is he a Jew or a Gentile? He could be helping a Gentile. I'm not even obligated. Do you guys understand? 
am I supposed to help this person? And we make assumptions, and we say, well, he shouldn't be on that road by himself anyway. What was he doing here? Anyway, we make judgments on people who are on the streets and say, Dave, why? Hey, man, I would never do drugs. You guys hear what I'm trying to say? Why, did, why are you here anyway? There's safety, and there's safety issues. If I stop to help, maybe there's bandits, and they're going to attack me too. I need to get, I need to go, get going. It's just me and the lead. Do you understand? I just, I need to get going. And if I stop to help, maybe the bandits are watching, they're going to rob me too, and I'll be in the same fate. You guys understand. I don't want to help that person. There's safety issues. There was a, uh, somebody on my staff in my old church, and said, <laughs> she's telling a story of how she was driving on this road by herself. I don't know, she was doing a long-distance travel or something. And she stopped and pitched, picked up a hitchhike. No, no, it was, no, no. She wasn't doing, tra- she was actually hiking, and then her, she actually was hitchhiking, and some guy came and stopped in the middle of nowhere, and then she got into the car. How many guys would do that? You create, don't do that. <laughs> That's enough. That's not, that was not, oh gosh. It, it's like, as a woman, you don't, it's like a safety issue. Like, the, don't do the thumbs up, it's a thumbs down. You don't do that. <laughs> it's like, when people are driving, you just thumbs down. You don't, it's like, they, it's a safety issue. It's, I don't feel safe. Do you, do you understand? I don't want to go to these tastings. I don't want to help people. This is not about helping. Just listen to my story until the end, and you'll go, oh, I, I understand what this is all about. Do you understand? <laughs> He's risking his own safety. I remember my father-in-law when I went to Kenya, and then I went to the Mombasa region near, like in the middle of, Mom- from Mombasa to uh, Somalia in the middle, like Matwapa. I went there in the Garissa region, and he was like reading reports about terrorists. My father like, don't go there. You might, you know, it's dangerous. And when I went to North Korea, he's like, don't go there. You should think about your family, the safety of your family. You have responsibilities. But every time somebody tells me not to do it, it makes me want to do it more because I'm a <laughs> rebellion, rebellious person at heart. But I just felt God's calling, so I went. And in that region, in the African region, after I left, two weeks later, there was terrorist uh, attacks and 200 university students just where I was at got killed. It's dangerous. And nobody would blame anyone for not going. I went to Mombasa. There was my fr- some of my friends said, maybe you shouldn't go there because when you're preaching, if they know you're a Christian, they would throw grenades into the meetings. These terrorists and as these... Fundamental Islamic terrorists would do that. And I told my people in Kenya, I said, do not put posters of me up on the walls. I don't want people to know that I'm doing meetings. And guess what happened when I went to Kenya? Asian men spread all over. Meetings over here at this location with a map. Do you you understand? Sometimes we're thinking about our own safety. We're scared. So we don't want to do that. And it makes it's everything that they're doing is reasonable. 
It's just reasonable. It just makes sense. It's too much trouble. We would do that. And then if this was a tale of morality, Jesus would have used another Jew. Somebody in their circle that would come. And this was a good Jew, a good Jewish lawyer like you that came across. And you know what? This is stories about you. You would have helped. It brings a Samaritan into the issue. The Samaritan who's hated by the Jews. They're the half-breeds, half-Jew, half-Gentile, intermarried with the Assyrians when they were in captivity. They are committing idolatry. Their theology is completely messed up. And there's hatred from the Jews to the Samaritan side. How many of you guys know when you hate somebody and then you're the ones being hated, you want to hate back? Josephus, one of the historian, Jewish historians, said this. He mentioned on one occasion during Herod's administration, time of Jesus, when the Jews were celebrating Passover, some Samaritans slipped into the city at midnight and scattered dead human remains in the temple, defiling it. A lot of times we read the Samaritans, it's, oh, the poor Samaritans, they're, the, they're picked on and they're bullied. Uh, the Samaritans, eventually when you get bullied enough, they rise back. They revolt, and there's a clash between the Jews and the Samaritans. And so there's like, they're hated. It's like Americans and Islamic fundamentalists. They hate one another. They're the enemy. And Jesus picks this guy and says, he showed compassion, not pity. And the word compassion in the Greek actually means when animal is sacrificed is to take out the innards of the animal. That's what the Greek means. That this man had that kind of compassion. That his heart was literally being ripped out of his chest. How many of you guys know when you are in grief, like real deep grief, you feel like your inside is being taken out from you? May you never feel that, but you will one day. It's just you feel it deep inside. It's not pity. Oh, poor person. I should help. I should buy a bag. I should buy some McDonald's for this guy. It's not that kind of pity. It's compassion. The same compassion that Jesus had when he saw the sheep without a shepherd. He wept and there was a, it's like his heart was ripped out from his chest. When he was healing the blind man, he had compassion, not pity. And there was something being ripped out. His stomach, his insides were being ripped out. When he saw his friend Lazarus who was dead, he had compassion and he wept. It was being, heart was being ripped out. When he felt, when he saw the people, the multitudes, and they were hungry, he had compassion. Do you understand? This compassion does not come from us. We do not have as human beings the capacity in our selfish nature to have this kind of compassion. And that's why Jesus is saying, you are not the Samaritan. Lawyer, this guy who you think is the lowest is higher than you because he had this kind of compassion and you do not. You guys following me? He puts him on his donkey and he could have rode together. Tradition says you can ride two people on a donkey, but he chose to let him ride on the donkey and walk as a servant would do. He didn't have to walk. He could, two people could ride on a donkey. Hey, scoot over. Yeah, I don't want to walk all that way. That's a lot of miles to walk. Hundreds of hundreds of miles. I will choose to have you have the seat of comfort, and I will treat you as an honored guest, and I will walk. 
He is truly the servant. And he says, I'm going to pay you the money, two denarii from his money bag to pay for the lodging. This was equivalent to two days' wages for a working man at that time. And the modern reader may figure out what two days' wages would be for today for him and her. How much you get paid in a day? Your two days' worth. That's pretty, that's some money for me. I mean, that's, and on top of that, he says, I will come back and whatever you spend, I will pay back. That's like giving your visa to the person and said, charge it. Whatever you need, whatever you need for this person to get back on his feet. I don't know how long it's going to take. You just charge my credit card. I will come back and settle the bill. Everybody say, he will come back. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I could do that. I'll be thinking about my family, like, that's a lot of money. That's, I don't know, maybe like one night. Come on, can, we nego- can you have some compassion? Come on, why do I, why do I have to have compassion? Can we share the compassion level? Don't you, I would be pleading. I would use my, all my persuasive powers. Come on, Jacob, have, have some compassion, brother. Let's share the load. Do you understand? Let's share the load as a church. Come on. This man is like, doesn't even ask. Hey, I'll take care of it. I will be back. I will come back. And he tells the lawyer, you want eternal life? Do likewise. And actually knowing full well that nobody can do this. This is an impossible situation with an impossible standard. Jesus is not giving this passage for you to do likewise. He's telling you, you cannot do it. That's the whole point of the passage. Jesus is saying, you think you can do that? Go ahead. You want to do that? Who that? I'll be like, hell no, can't do that. I would examine my heart and know full well that I'm not capable. I do not have that capacity. I am a selfish man. I care about my family, my wife, and maybe you guys. <laughs> and if I had a dog, it would be like my wife, kids, you guys, and dog. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? This, I'm just being honest. Is that okay? And then my colleagues. and Oh, yeah, friends have to go up there, I guess. So. Yeah, I, have sta- I have measures who I can help, who I should. If my friend calls me, yes, I'll do that. I'm t- we're all human beings. Can we, can we just admit that to ourselves? Look at, each, look at somebody next to you. Are you, like, are you the good Samaritan? Ask him, are you? And then we should all. <laughs> I don't think so. Unless you're Mother Teresa. Mm. The whole gospel and your understanding hinges on who you are in this story. Your understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ hinges on who you are in this story. Are you the Samaritan? No. Are you the Levite and the, and the priest? You're like, no, I want to be better than that. No, worst, you are the certain man. You are the person on the road 
You are the no-name on the road, and we are the in. Jesus is the Samaritan. He's the one that's hated by the Jews. He's the one that, that will rise up and show them what it is like to be under the power and the authority and the love of Jesus, love of God, to be able to fulfill the commands of God. There's no one who could do it except Christ alone. The man is us. We are not the Levites and the priests. Maybe we are too. Maybe you guys pass by and you think, I should do better. I should be better than the priest. I should be better than the Levite. Then you don't understand the gospel. When you're like, I read this passage, I feel guilty. I should do more. Man, I'm going to go to East Hastings today and we're going to help out and give some sandwiches. No, you can or you cannot, but it's, it's, you're, it's the wrong rendering of the gospel. Because you think you can, but really everything flows from understanding that I can't. That's the gospel. When you think I should be better, you just completely missed it. It's like I, I cannot, I am not better. It's only by God's grace. When he calls me, he allows me to become the person, the embodiment of Jesus for that season or for that time. You know, when I drive by East Hastings, there's times I went to East Hastings to help people, pray for people. I've done all that. Street church, I've done all that. You know, when I go drive by East Hastings, I'm not, I don't have, I have pity. I have compassion. I have pity, but I don't have compassion. I can only have compassion when God gives me that compassion. I only had compassion when I was talking to somebody and I, I understood, like, what his story was and then I started to have compassion, but I can't do that for the whole world. Only Jesus can do that. And when you understand that, then you understand that he has compassion for you regardless of what you did or did not do, whether your titles, you have some, you, have some, you have a name or you don't have a name. It's like he knows that he can do that for you. Amen. And Jesus says to the innkeeper, now I'm going to bring this person to you and you take care of this person. The inn is the church. The inn is the church. He said, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Jericho, it's not even, it's not the Marriott, it's just a little house where people go. In this house, I'm going to bring people to you that I put on my donkey that I want to serve, and I want you to take care of them until I return. How many of you guys say, Jesus is going to return? And until he returns, you take care of the people I entrust you with. You take care of them. I don't have any resources. Don't worry. I gave you a visa. It's called the Holy Spirit. You got whatever you need, charge it to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I, got nothing. I, got, I don't have the capacity to help my neighbor here in this church. But Holy Spirit said, I will give you what you need, the healing and the oil. I will give it to you. I don't know what to do. I have no medicine. I don't have any power. And the Holy Spirit said, I got the visa. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. <laughs> Charge it to the visa. Oh, there's more. You, the church will grow because we need to grow. Amen? But not because we want to be big in numbers. 
church growth is all about our capacity to trust the Holy Spirit to give us the resources to meet the needs of the people. But when you feel like, I can do it. I'm the priest. I'm the good lawyer. I can help this person. I am the savior. I can help. I will go out of my way. I will talk to my friend for seven hours or the stranger. I will do it. I want to show everybody that I could be the good Samaritan. There's no such thing as good in the passage. Just a Samaritan. The only person that's good is God. There's only a, one good God. If you think like that, this church will collapse and burn down because we, wouldn't have, we don't have the capacity. We don't have the resources and we don't have the compassion that people need that comes from the Holy Spirit that convicts us and that transforms us to help that one person that is coming into my inn. You guys understanding what I'm trying to say. That frees us up. When I go to Africa, North Korea, South America, I've been to many poor regions in, the, in Asia. When I go there, I am not burdened with a heavy burden. Like You can just get sucked in going, what can I do about this? There's so much corruption, poverty, obscene poverty. What can I do? See, kids on the sewers eating garbage, what can I do? Now, if you were the Levite or the priest, you'd be like, well, I'm only here for this. Or if you're like, you think you're the, you think you're the Samaritan, you go out and go, let me help this baby. Let me help this. I will create something. I will do it. And then you get completely burnt out. You look at that baby. I just say, that could have been me. But by the grace of God. And I only do what you're calling me to do because I don't have anything to give. Only you have something to give, and you can change the situation. You got the visa. You are the resource. You told me to do it, and you said you'll come back, and you'll provide every single thing that I need to help. So that's why I go. Whatever I need, you will give. Whatever I need to do, you will accomplish. Not my will, your will. Because I'm just the end. Because I used to be that man on the road. Now I'm healed. It's my job now, by your resource, by your grace, to help. You guys understood what I was trying to say. That's the Samaritan story. That's the gospel. Once you understand that, you're free. From undue burdens and feeling guilty and shame, like I should do more, I should... I should help more. It's like you do not understand the gospel. It's not I should. I should be this. I should do that. I should do that. I should do more. I should pray more. I should. You do not understand the gospel. The gospel is I am that man. But by the grace of God, I'm healed. God is healing me. I can only do what he tells me to do. Because God got the conch. He's got the power. And he's going to give me whatever I need. That's the gospel. Amen? Let's stand. You guys feel free a little bit? You guys feel free?
Raise your hands if you feel like I feel like some burden off of me. Like, because I wanted to, how many guys heard the sermon like, oh, you, gotta, you go do likewise, be better. How many guys heard a sermon like that? I've heard it many times and I always felt guilty. Like, and then I realized that I will never be good enough. Which in an ironic way, wow, that is the gospel. I was closer than I think. Put your hand on your heart. Ephesians 1, it says, God has given us everything we need under heaven to accomplish his purpose. I'm going to pray for us as a church. As a church, let us be that in. As we grow, as we have more people coming into this place, it is not up to us. It's not our strength, our resources, what we got. It's what we do with the resources God has given us. And if we want more resources, more power, more authority, and we want to charge it to the bank account of Jesus, which he already paid for, We need to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not us. He's the stronger yoke. He's the stronger oxen. We are yoked with him. He's leading us. We're not leading him. I want to pray for you as individuals who feel burdened, heavy. You get a heavy burden like you're leading your life. Control of your life is an illusion. At any time, you could fall. You could be like that man on the road. You could be stripped and beaten. You could be somebody and nobody the next day. That's life on this earth. But God, in his good news, he is the Lord of the universe that came down to help you on that road. So I want everyone to repeat after me because even today when we were praying, I felt like some people are going to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. We felt like some people are going to have a, like an awakening. Oh, man, I've, I really misunderstood what the gospel is all about. i got to be good before I come. i got to clean myself before I go. The Lord says, no, no, he's the one that cleans you. He said, come as you are. I'm the one that transforms you. There, you. Your standards that you have for yourself are too high. It's, there's no one that can fill the law and meet those standards. It's only by his grace. So can we all repeat after me so we don't single people out all together? Lord Jesus. I am that unknown man on the road. I feel beaten by life. I feel like I have a no I don't have a name. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm sick. I need you. 
Come put your oil upon me, the oil of healing. Put me on the donkey and carry me. Carry me to a safe place, to a safe community that understands the gospel. that knows how to extract resources from heaven to restore my life, restore my identity, heal my soul, heal my body, heal my relationships. Trust you, Lord. Surrender my life to you. I'm willing to be carried by you. Put me on your donkey. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Sometimes when we, I can feel like you're excited, so, but then you're like, oh, I'm a little bit embarrassed. You know, we were at the wedding yesterday. I could tell. I, I preached at that church many, a couple of times, and I've done weddings there. It's a very conservative church. But that's why I was worshiping God hard. Let me be the light. It's not a judging. It's not a judgment thing. I want to show them. Because I know they want to worship God like that too. So today, when we say, praise the Lord. Hey! I can feel in your spirit, you want to like shout out, thank you for the gospel, Jesus, my goodness, I don't have to be the priest or the Levite or feel guilty, I'm the person you're going to help, thank you that we're the church and you're going to give us resources, thank you Lord, wow we don't have to, we don't have to work it, he's going to work it, come on church. Yes, Lord. Yes. Praise you, God. Give you all the glory. I'm going to pray for people, whoever. Uh, if you got called out and there was healing and then you feel like you need more prayer for healing, just come up to the front or you need a, some encouragement, come up to the front. Uh, we'll pray for you. Other than that, God bless you. Next week, another message on the gospel. Yes. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to preach about Lazarus. The most, second most hated man in the Bible next to Jesus. All right. I'll see you guys next week. God bless you.